We're in a sermon series Pastor Ed started, God of the Possible. And today's title is The Life Change at the Pool. We're glad you're here taking up time of your busy weekend with us. And uh, we're excited that we can talk about the limitations of God that are none. And all things are possible through God. Amen? Amen. So we've been studying about real life situations. Pastor Chad preached last week about Jesus and Peter walking on the water. He did a good job. Appreciate him doing that. And um, I want to share with you about the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. And that's what we're going to look at. I had the privilege of visiting the Holy Land in 1994. 1994, almost 30 years. I was a chunky little guy back then. What's so funny? <laughs> this is on the Via Dolorosa, as you can see the sign. The Via Dolorosa, the meaning of that road is the way of suffering. The Via Dolorosa is where Jesus traveled with the cross heading to Calvary's Hill, heading to Golgotha, heading to where he was going to be put to death on the cross crucified. Via Dolorosa, so that's, that's where I was in 1994, it was such a special place to go. Uh, the message today is about the healing at the pool of Bethesda. And I took this pictures, these pictures while there. Talks about, we're going to read the colonnades. And it talks about the actual pool. This was damaged some when the Romans took over Jerusalem back years ago, but still was able to be kept intact as you can see here about these pictures in 1994. So that is the actual pool of Bethesda we're going to read about in the scripture today. What's so special about this pool? This is where a crippled man lie. Jesus came to the pool and then healed him. Had nothing to do with the water, had nothing to do with the pool. It was just a location of where it took place. People waited there for days. The Bible's not specific on how it all worked. Talks about this guy being here 38 years of an of a invalid, but it doesn't guarantee that he's 38 years at the pool. We don't know those answers, some of those, those things. But nonetheless, they were there waiting to be healed that they thought was addition. So he didn't get healed in the water, but a healing did take place. It had nothing to do with the pool, but all about Jesus. Jesus healed him. Amen? We would also like, Pastor Ed, and also like to invite you to a possible trip we're thinking about doing to the Holy Land in 2024. So if you're interested in going to the Holy Land, email me. My email address is found on our website. Pop me an email and say, I'm interested. Um, it's not saying you're guaranteeing it. It's not saying you're confirming. Just so we have an idea who wants to go over to Jerusalem, Bethlehem, the Holy Land. Take a copy of your Bible, if you like, or follow along with this. Remember, all our messages are or on the website if you want to follow along with the screens. Let's go to John chapter number five, one through nine. John chapter number five, one through nine. A change at the pool. So it starts with after this. Anytime you see an after this or therefore, that means something happened before then. And chapter number four, as it ends, Jesus healed the official son. The official son. There was an official person that they referred to in the Bible. And so Jesus just finished that. It's heading to Jerusalem. There was a feast of Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. Showed that to you at the start of them. 
In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Look down. Do you see verse number four in your Bible? Okay. If you have a latter version in the 1900s, the first four was omitted. The latter scholars believe that the scribes entered in there, that the angels came down and stirred the water because angels were of such high regard, they had to put it in there, they they believed. So it's traditional. Or or it may be uh, as much as they're just trying to make it superstitious. They're trying to make it so that they could figure out why the water was being stirred. So verse 4 is omitted in many of our modern-day translations. Angels were just such in high regard. That's the only thing they can figure out. But we're going to talk about that in a minute. It doesn't change the meaning of it overall. So verse number five, one man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? What did the guy say? Sir. I, I struggled over this. Sir, I have no one to put me in the water. I don't know how he said it. I wish I, I was there. Did he say, sir, no one's there to put me in the water. When it goes and stirs, I can't get in. Somebody goes in front of me. Or did he say, sir, no one's helping me. I've been here. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it kind of, kind of makes me always wonder about that. Uh, no one in the pool when the water stirred. Well, I'm going another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. I don't want to hear you whine anymore. I don't, I don't know. And then verse 9, at once, at once, at once, the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. So he's saying verse number 1, there was a feast of the Jews going on. We don't know if it was the tabernacle feast, the feast, feast of Passover, feast of, Pente- uh, feast of Pentecost. We don't know. It doesn't say. But we do know that large crowds followed Jesus because of his miracles he performed in his three years of ministry. We know that big, a lot of people followed him. The feeding of the 5,000. And that was just men. So we know that Jesus attracted a lot of people, didn't he? There were a lot of people who came in. Why? Because they were curious of what he had to say. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. He fed the large crowds. People were hanging on to every word. Why? Because he spoke with boldness, confidence, and authority. Not all of them were Christ followers. All the 5,000, they weren't over there like you all, or hopefully everyone in here, saying, Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we give you our, own, our all. We want you. We love you. A lot of these people were skeptical. A lot of these people were just curious. They weren't Christ followers. They were just hanging out for the what? The free meal. Sure. Free meal. Healing. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Unfortunately, a lot of people were influenced by the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the, were the too good for everything people. They felt like they were better than everyone else. And they were super religious and super holy. And we felt like a lot of people would follow them. After all, the Pharisees had a lot to do with why Jesus went to the cross. Because they were accusing Jesus of not being from God at all. That he was demon-possessed. And he obviously couldn't do these miracles because God wouldn't do this, especially on the Sabbath, which is when this is taking place. Major problem. So we look at verses 2 and 3. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool 
in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five colonnades, and these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So the site, as I share with you, was not completely torn down by the Romans, but it's a, it's a pool that is fed by a spring. That means there's, a, there's an underground cistern-type situation underneath, and it's usually hot water. And they say, a lot of the uh, historians say because of the heat, that the water boils up underneath the rocks, which causes the, the water to look like it's stirred because there's water boiling up. And that's where they're saying the Bible doesn't say who was saved, doesn't say how they were saved. It just said that's a tradition or healed or whatever the case may be from that. So people who needed physical healing believed the pool had healing powers. And this is why they waited for a long time. Then verse 5, the paralyzed man. One man that was been there for invalid for 38 years. Again, we don't know how long he was there at the pool. We just know he had this disease or this problem for 38 years. Perhaps from birth. Makes me wonder why no one helped him. Are we that self-centered in our lives and our society not to help? You know, make, makes me scratch my head sometimes. Uh, I know I do best I can in helping people. Um, I know you do. I know our church is really good about giving money, resources, and in, involving. As a matter of fact, what are they, the young adults and the students have been serving at the mission and other places, and they're going to Faith Extreme to help out that ministry there. Plus, a lot of you all go to the mission. We, we just do a lot at Heartland. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I know God is smiling down on Heartland for what we do. But here's some of the problems. Sometimes people don't want to help themselves. You know what I mean? You may have relatives who don't want to help themselves. They, they always want, want, want. They never do anything for themselves. I have a saying that my wife and I have adopted. I can't want something more for you than you want it for your what? Self. A lot of times people want you to keep giving, keep helping them, keep doing for them, but they don't help themselves. It's my prayer that we never get too callous to that as Christians, uh, that we, we don't get too, you know, cynical. Um, I know in ministry, we have a lot of people that come to our church office asking for help. You know, I wish I had a pool to say, hey, go jump in the pool in the back. <laughs> we don't find, a couple people thought that was funny. Um, we don't have that. So what do we do? We have to help. And there are certain ministries in our community that we, we give money to. You do. We do. And because of you, we're able to do that, to help. But we've got to make sure they help themselves, don't we? And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Verses 6 and 7, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he had already been there a long time. He said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. Well, I'm going another steps down in front of me, and I can't get in. I always wonder why Jesus asked him this question, don't you? Do you want to be healed? It'd be a no-brainer. If I was 38 years an invalid, 38 years not feeling well, and Jesus or anyone walked up that I even thought could help me, what would you do? Well, let me tell you what I did. Went to KFC, Gary, in Lake Wales. Walked up to the counter many years ago. I said, I, said, uh, I want to get a buffet. My wife and I said, are you, are you, uh, are you a senior? I said, what is that in... What does that give me? What, what, what does the senior get here? And they said, well, you get a discount on the buffet and you get a free drink. Yes, I am. 
Yes, I am. My wife was saying, I'm so offended. We're not that old yet. Yes, I am. I'm more excited about my discounted KFC than this guy who's paralyzed laying on the ground. What difference does it make, sir? I have no one to put me in the box. Who cares? Yes, I am. Yes, I do. Yes, I do want to be saved. I don't ever understand why that guy answered that way. Maybe Jesus was trying to gain his full attention. Maybe this guy who's an invalid and, and is at everyone else's command to go places because he can't go anywhere. Maybe he honestly didn't know who Jesus was. I, I don't know those answers. Maybe, maybe he didn't know it. Maybe he thought it was somebody sarcastic with him. Maybe he was teased uh, and made fun of being an invalid. I don't know. And maybe he thought Jesus, I don't know. But I'm always intrigued why they did that. Did the paralyzed man give up hope? Did he, did he just, was he just distressed and said, I've, I've had enough? Here's another one saying they want to help me. No one put the guy in the water. Long time. How about you? As Jesus is saying, do you want to be helped? What's your response? Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe it's improving your living situation. Maybe it's decisions you're trying to make in life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's pride, lust, addictions. I, I don't know what your case may be. But what if Jesus is now speaking to your heart and saying, <laughs> you want to be healed? What's your response? Where are you responding? How are you responding? Sir, I have no one to help me. I'm trying to do this. I'm a single parent. I'm trying all this on my own. I'm dealing with a sick parent. I'm dealing with a sick spouse. I don't know what to do. I've got cancer. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We deal with some stuff, don't we? Yeah. I've been on the phone all week this week. I was pastor on call last week and then still talking to people this weekend who have issues that they're really dealing with for family issues. I, I, don't, know why, I don't know why God heals and doesn't heal. I, I don't have that answer. But I knew that God loves you and he wants his best for you. And we don't know what that is. So if you're struggling with something today, whether it's something that you're having issues with or whether it's something that you're trying to go through with with a friend or a loved one, man, lean on God. Lean on your church right here, Heartland. Lean on your pastors and our staff. We're here for you. We tell you that all the time. We minister to our community and beyond. We do that all the time, all the things. And it's because of your, again, your prayers, your resources, and your involvement that make all the difference in the world. So thank you for being so generous. Thank you for helping us do what we do. You know what? Over 100 kids, 100 children were sponsored by uh, this church right here through Compassion International. 100 kids. Our name is Ashley in El Salvador. We're still working with Compassion, trying to get over this COVID stuff to be able to do a trip over to El Salvador to see our kid. And hopefully that's something you can do. So that's a couple trips you can consider. Now let's look at the miracle in verses 8 and 9. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. <laughs> Why say take up your bed? I, I'm, I don't understand that either. 
And that common sense that if you've been laying there a while, it's your bed, you're going to take it. But there's three action words. Get up, take up your bed, and get out of here. Okay? That, that's what he's telling the dudes. That cracked me up. Jesus saying, pick up your stuff and go. Don't leave him laying right here by the pool. Pick up your stuff. And guess what? He did it without physical therapy. Sorry about that physical therapist in here. He didn't need it. No medications. Sorry, doctors, nurses. He didn't need painkillers. He didn't need steroids. He didn't need, what do they call it, shot for the joints? That, um, cortisone. He didn't need cortisone. You, hey you, sir. No, don't sir me. Get up, pick up your bed, and get out of here. And that's basically just what happened. I love it. I love it. Just get out of here. We don't only fully understand why all this happened, but we have to have faith, believe, and understand that it did happen. First, Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Who in here is looking for something new? Who in here wants to do something different? How about a change of friends that are bringing you down? I know a lot of people in this church, and some are in here today, that you, met, you said, well, you made the commitment to trust Jesus Christ. And you, I know for a fact, you say, okay, I got to give up some friends. I got to give up that lifestyle. And you did. And you're so happy you did. Unfortunately, I know some other people who say, I got to give up my friends. And they didn't. And they slipped right back into that negative lifestyle. Man, it can happen so fast. When the crippled man was healed, Jesus expected him to go, eat, go be independent. Go tell people what just happened to you, big boy, and tell them about Jesus. Tell them about me. Tell them about your Father in heaven. Tell them all about us. Take a, bad, take a great stand against bad habits. Uh, Pastor Ed talks about us being the best version of yourself you can be. I'm all about that. I would love to be the best version I could be. Jesus didn't help the crippled man. Jesus told him, pick up your stuff and go. Go and be independent. How about you today? Are you trying to figure this out, how to be independent yourself? Are you trying to figure out how to, how to break all these bad habits or, or try and deal with sick loved ones? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're just heart struck. I don't know the situation, but I know I know a lot of people in here and I know a lot of people struggle with decisions and how to give wisdom to family members. You've heard me preach before. I've been struck with a lot, of, a lot of death in my family, cancer and all those kinds of things in, in my family. And I've had to learn to deal with it. But one thing I always did is I leaned on Jesus. I leaned on the cross. I leaned on his promises, which will always take care of us. I'm asking you to do the same thing. If you receive the, uh, a miracle or a blessing, don't expect to be carried. Don't, don't expect to be taken care of be independent. Stand firm. Square your shoulders back and say, I've been healed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to be a difference in my life. Is there a time in your life when you know that you know that you know if you're trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know you're going to heaven? There's no doubt about it. If someone asks you how you know you're going to heaven, can you honestly say, it may not be the date and time you know, but it's the circumstance. I was at summer camp when I was a little kid. I know for a fact this happened. I was an adult. And this is what happened in Pastor Red preached the message, and I remember it. 
and I, I trusted Jesus. If you don't have that in your heart and mind, nail that down today, please. Because a lot of the stuff won't make sense to you unless you get that done. Nail that down in your heart. Know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven. Maybe you, you need to be baptized. Maybe you made that decision in your life at one point, and Jesus is your Savior. No doubt you know it, but you've never been baptized. You've never taken the, the, the plunge down here. The baptismal water is being stirred like Pastor Joel always says. Let's stir the baptismal waters over here. Maybe you need to be baptized. Never too old. Maybe that's something you need to do. Here's the bottom line. Your life will be changed. Promise you that. Listen, there's four things we're going to ask you to do. One of them right now, if you can. We'll come to the close of our service today. One, the altar is always open. If you need to come down and pray, come on down. Don't be ashamed. Don't, don't be afraid to come on down. This altar is open. Please don't be resistant. Don't do the white knuckle, which means you hold on to the seat in front of you and you resist. Man, if the Holy Spirit's touching your heart right now, come on down. Second of all, you have some cards in your seat back in front of you, pens. Fill something out. If you made a decision, something we need to know about, please let us know. We'll reach out to you. We want to minister and serve you. That's what our goal is, and that's what our jobs and ministries are. So please fill that out. You can also put it on the crosses with pens. You can put it in the boxes in the back. The crosses are always open. Come on down. You can see there's already a bunch of requests on the cross now. There's pens and paper over there. Pens, papers, and pens. Post it up there. Make a difference in your life. We pray for those every single Sunday. Every Sunday, we pray for those individually in our staff meeting. If we don't meet because we don't have enough staff in for holidays or vacations, they're still passed around. Every request is prayed for. Last, we have a prayer team member standing in the back. We're going to pray and you're going to stand. And when we, we say amen, you just head on back. Some will be back to pray for you. It's a lot to ask. Do one of them. You'll be blessed. Listen, we heard from Alicia earlier. So I'm going to ask Alicia to step on up here. She's going to lead us in a song, a song that I really like. And it goes like this. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Isn't that great? Do you, can you really sing that and honestly mean it? Honestly mean it? We live for you. Are you living for him, Lord Jesus Christ? That's my question to you today. As we end this, I'm getting ready to pray. How about you? Where are you with the Lord Jesus Christ? Where are you with your life? Father, we just want to give this entire time to you. We pray you'll use Alicia on this last song to touch hearts, touch minds. Give us clear direction on what you're asking us to do. We want to give you the honor and praise. Lord, take it over. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's stand and worship together.